Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live, 101.3 KPCG, and we're online, kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com. Coming up on this Thursday edition, a look at a few interesting headlines, also the Trumpet Daily Radio Show and uh, thetrumpet.com. We'll take a look at what uh, is on those platforms today. Uh, Interesting note from history, and uh, why do people lose their jobs, and what do employers look for when hiring? We'll take a look at that and more coming up on this a Thursday edition of Trumper Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. This is Thursday, and we're 101.3 KPCG. You can uh, follow us on Twitter if you'd like to at KPCGFM. Any emails you'd like to send, send those to comments at KPCG.FM. Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today with you. I uh, was asking you, right before we went on the air, Grant, if you ever heard of the, the Wofford Terriers. It's a college team, uh, basketball team. And the only reason I, I asked is because they pulled off a stunner Wednesday evening. They beat the number five ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. Everybody knows North Carolina Tar Heels. 79 to 75. And it was at the Dean Smith Center, which is North Carolina's home court. And uh, the win was uh, Wofford's first ever against a team ranked in the top 25. I always, I always like the upset, unless it's against one of my favorite teams. But in this case, I, how exciting is that? You're the kind of a smaller school. You're not on the map, so to speak, as far as the, the top teams. And here you go beat number five team. Uh, you know, they've won so many national championships here at North Carolina. And, and here comes uh, uh, Wofford. Look out for the Terriers. That's the beauty of sports. You have the, the glorious feeling of victory on the one side and then probably almost a total meltdown in North Carolina right now wondering what's wrong with their awesome team for losing a game like that. How could we have lost to the Terriers? So I, I, w- I would like to act like I knew something about that team, but I know nothing about them. Never even heard of them before. <laughs> But they uh, they had an upset, so uh, I don't I, I don't have any moments to look back on like that. I'm trying to think if I ever had like the big upset moment, and uh, not nothing uh, nothing that significant. Yeah, yeah, I know there's been some really iconic ones in sports over the years, but not too many that involve my favorite team. At least at the time that I was watching, I know the Buffalo Bills have choked a lot in games that I've watched, but uh, other than that, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been on the right side of that too much. So yeah, somebody's got to be on the the uh, wrong side of it. You just happen to be one of, that's on the wrong side of it all the time. <laughs> yeah. You're always you're always. Uh, well, I don't know if the Bills. Well, Super Bowl back in the days that was before your time. Though. Lost four straight. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't watch any of those. They were favorites in, in some at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know if about all of them, but some of them they were, and yeah, things didn't go well. Hate to bring that up. Sorry, Buffalo fans. <laughs> Uh, interesting story here from uh, yesterday, a health-related note. Uh, I saw this on the news last night, and they wrote about it in Newsweek, too. Uh, eating salad every day keeps brains 11 years younger and prevents dementia, according to a new study. Funny uh, story about this is uh, we were watching the news last night and literally eating a salad uh, at that time, and the story came on, and it said, if you eat a salad every day, your brain is 11 years younger. And I looked at my son, who was 12, and I said, uh-oh. <laughs> 
He's no, probably like, Dad. No good for him. He's, going, he's a baby again. But uh, as uh, as we age, uh, salad, uh, vegetables, that type of thing, uh, obviously I, I, not a mystery that it's good for us, but probably good for us in ways that we don't even really realize. They did this study including 960 people, all between the ages of 58 and 99 years old, and all without dementia. Everyone enrolled in the study was part of the Memory and Aging Project, which has been ongoing since 1979 at the Knight Alzheimer's Disease Research Center at Washington University. As part of their involvement in that project, participants completed questionnaires about their dietary habits over the course of nearly five years. Questions included assessments of how often people consumed spinach, salad, kale, collards, and other greens. And uh, then they took some memory tests as well. They found that people that ate more did better on the uh, memory tests. So that's where they're getting their data from. So uh, another, I guess, at least uh, an indication that it's good to eat, uh, eat your greens. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's something that's pretty easy to overlook. Sometimes I'll go a whole, whole day without even having too much of that. And it's, it's uh, definitely something that I have to think about or else it gets passed up. There is uh, lots of ways you can consume them. You can uh, throw them into a smoothie. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a good way to do it. It's a, like Sometimes you can throw things into, uh, like if you've got a blend tech or one of those high-powered blenders, um, and you can drink it. And it's pretty good usually, I think. My kids don't like them, but I do. And uh, and when you look, look at what's all gone in there, you think, wow, that's I don't know that I would have sat down and eaten that whole you know, bowl of that stuff. But when you blend it up, it was pretty good. So however you like to consume them, uh, vegetables are are essential, and uh, but like you said, in the modern diet, you can you do have to make an effort, m- probably maybe more than in years past, to eat eat that because uh, when you go out, very rarely do you get greens unless it's that one sad piece of lettuce on a hamburger, <laughs> yeah. saturated in all the oils, <laughs> drowning. The only nutritive value, and he's all saturated. It's kind of sad too because there are a few things better than a salad if you put the right ingredients together. Some some combinations that's just absolutely unbelievable how good it actually tastes, but not usually our first choice probably for most people. Yeah, I think that's a great point. the um, The way it's prepared really changes uh, whether or not it's it's enjoyable or you're just trying to. You know, do it because you have to. You know, if you just throw some lettuce in a bowl, that's not the way to do it. Um, but if you if you have a really good recipe, you know how to make one. It's great. Uh, when I was a single man, um, I tried throwing it in a bowl, and it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, my wife knows how to make really good salads. So, but it is amazing the difference. <laughs> you can't just throw. It. it can be all these same ingredients, but you got to put it together the right way or else it's just it's not going to work and i think when maybe people think about salads in a negative way or vegetables it's because it's just not prepared great and so it, it is a little laborious to eat that yeah you could toss a couple of uh different types of meats on a salad there are uh like more rare things like mushrooms even or like uh guacamole or i guess you'd say avocados mm-hmm. before before it's blended up yep. so so some things like that if you have a good combination uh, it's it's actually a lot better than probably what we're usually experiencing. Do you like avocados? Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Yeah, I like them I'm too. I'm not obsessed like some are, but I, I do like them. I think, yeah, I think they're really, really good. Um, and I, my son doesn't like them, which is funny to me. He doesn't want to eat them. I think, well, it's like gold. <laughs> Tell him it's, it's good for your brain. Yeah. So I just tell him, I say, look, if you don't eat them, I'm going to be smarter than you. <laughs> So they're going directly to my brain. Then you you won't be smart as I am. Uh, I think they're delicious. But it's, I mean, that's just the way it goes. I mean, there are some things that other people love and I just can't. 
uh, particular certain types of melons I don't want. I'm not interested, mm-hmm. but people love them. It's just it, it's funny how I don't know we're all a little different that way. Yeah, some people they don't really mind if a salad, for example, is uh, savory or sweet. They would have it either way. And there are different types of foods that I think should just stay in one category and not necessarily do too much crossing over. Uh, it sounds like sounds like you're pretty good at trolling your son into doing things that he should do. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really good idea. Well, yeah, just facts of life, you know. But yeah, that's true. Some people uh, are very they're they're very much a much a, much a uh, uh, to their food. <laughs> you stay with your item. You stay with your item, and others just want a multicultural plate. Bring it all yeah. together into one thing. But <laughs> I, I I prefer I think a little more of the separation, and then let, then I will decide what comes together. Exactly. <laughs> Don't just put it all in in one thing, but. Different uh, different preferences there. Here's a story that's uh, a little disturbing but pretty interesting. It's from USA Today. Anti-Semitism is still alive in Germany, they say, as Jews face disturbing discrimination. And kind of for uh, sort of an interesting reason here. It says uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel's decision in 2015 to open the nation's uh, borders to one million mostly Muslim refugees has created a double threat for Germany's roughly 120,000 Jews. Rising anti-Semitism from the newcomers and a resurgent right-wing nationalist movement spawned by the arrival of so many immigrants. And so, once again, who do you have sitting in the middle? This is the Jews. And because a lot of these Muslims that are coming in are very anti-Jew. And then, in response, as a reaction to all of these uh, immigrants coming into Germany, there's this rise of the, the right, I guess they would call it, the far right, and uh, they don't like the, the Muslims, but then they also don't like the Jews. So it's we were talking about this the other week with Antiochus Epiphanes and how he anciently went after the Jews, and then there's some types of him coming along too. But uh, if you look through history, the Jews are just, they're always in the middle, and they don't have any friends, and they're always getting uh, a lot of difficulties, and uh, that anti-Semitism is rising in Germany. That just reinforces the the truth that you can't have multiculturalism in any thriving society. We've never seen an example of true multiculturalism working anywhere. I mean, at some point, if no one wants to assimilate into the actual nation that they're in, they're going to have clashes, and at some point, one group has to prevail over the other. That's how it always has to end. The anti-Semitic sentiment has become more public um, said uh, this one Jew that's been over there for a few years. He says, when I arrived in Germany, I never saw much uh, displays, but but now they're seeing more. Last week, thousands of protesters in Berlin burned Israeli flags to protest President Trump's controversial decision on December 7th to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. It's really not that controversial, but people make it controversial. The flag burning prompted a national outcry. In 2016, Germany recorded 1,468 anti-Semitic incidents. That's an increase from previous years that has put Germany's Jewish community on edge. According to a recent survey by the University of Bielefeld in Western Germany, 62% of Jewish respondents said they experienced anti-Semitism in their everyday lives, while 28% said they were victims of verbal attacks or harassment in the past year. The survey points to increased anti-Semitism by Muslim newcomers and a strengthened right-wing nativist movement. So, uh, 1,468 anti-Semitic incidents reported. And uh, if if you can believe the numbers, it's always a little interesting when you ask people if they've been 
sort of persecuted, you know, if, if they'd be exactly honest there. But in this case, I would tend to think those numbers would be pretty accurate. Yeah, especially considering the, the groups of people that are coming together in that nation right now. Um, we talk all the time about how different cultures should be tolerant of one another, and yet the only thing that ends up leading to is the West being tolerant to everything else, even ideologies that hurt them, while the other cultures don't necessarily <laughs> welcome Western ideas into their own nations. It's, it's kind of a double standard there, and I'm also confused by them continually calling Nazis far right because Nazis is a national socialist party. That's a left-wing ideology. Um, it, it, like we always see, the left consumes itself. It's not, it's not a matter of far right versus far left here. These are, these are elements on the far left, whether it's, uh, I guess, the, the, the pet uh, Muslim population the, of the left. The left loves to use them as victims. And then also socialists are leftists as well so those are all things on the left that are actually hurting the jews there yeah it's coming at them from different uh, directions for sure so that's 120,000 jews living in germany and they feel that uh, things are getting more disturbing for them I, I do remember a couple of years ago it seems like it was where there were more protests uh happening regularly regularly there across europe against the jews it was sort of a you know palestinian versus jewish thing and uh, and a lot of the Jews were getting out of Europe and trying to go back to Israel or go back go someplace where they felt uh, safer. That's that that's kind of dropped off the radar a little bit as far as some of those reports. But uh, again, now with President Trump coming out and saying that the the uh, U.S. embassy should be there in the capital of uh, Israel, which is Jerusalem, it's just not that him saying that you know should be cause for any issue, but uh, it's just another excuse to come out and, and protest the Jews, which a lot of people want to do anyway, and it just gives them a good excuse to do so. Right. I think that that announcement and, and, and a lot of these other other actions or these events in the news seem to reawaken hostilities in Muslims or neo-Nazis or whatever it might be. Maybe for the most part they go about their everyday lives, but when something controversial comes up, those are not necessarily uh, the groups of people that, that you want nearby you because they do seem to take out their anger through violence. Speaking of protesters and professional protesters, uh, I saw a story today that um, some protesters, they're, you know, like they're planning out what they'll protest in the eventuality that it happens. Uh, for example, if, uh, if Mueller gets fired from the, the Trump Russia investigation, they're already like making their signs and getting ready and storing up hot chocolate. That was one of their other things. So they'll have something to drink, I nice. guess. So, you know, these movements and these uh, protests very rarely are spontaneous. The media would have you believe that everyone just showed up with a sign. Uh, they're and, and they're all the same, like, slogans, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, they're already planning. So they probably have a list of things like, okay, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, then we've got our signs ready. <laughs> so they're planning their protests already. There have been stories like that where they – I think it was even whenever uh, Neil Gorsuch got uh, – nominated to the supreme court they were already mass printing signs and all the signs said the same thing uh so there have been stories like that that just show some people make a life out of protesting things and and stirring up some disruption 
over things that really aren't that controversial. I mean, Robert Mueller probably should have been fired a long time ago just because of the fact that every single investigator he hires is a Democratic donor. How is that even possible? Why, why would you have such a left-leaning investigation of a Republican president? Obviously, there's something wrong there, and uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions could fire him any time. It probably should have already happened. Well, if it happens, then they've got their signs ready. <laughs> so they're, they're already prepping. Uh, make sure you stop and check out thetrumpet.com today. Top story is from Kieran Underwood. Supri- uh, subprime loans make a comeback. And in this case, it's talking a lot about automobiles. Most economists uh, will breathe a big sigh of relief, confident that auto loans, while bad, are too small to cause a catastrophic, uh, or sorry, a catastrophe alone. Losses can be absorbed, they say. That's why comparing subprime auto loans to mortgages misses the point. It's not an economy-busting crisis in waiting, said one writer. It's a personal crisis instead. Lots of individuals will suffer terribly, but not enough to add up to a meltdown. So if they're looking at the, the well, that's what they think anyway. I don't know if that would be totally true. But but uh, people could get into a lot of difficulty with some of these subprime car loans. And, uh, you know, they'll give you a car, <laughs> even if you don't qualify in some cases. And, and even if you do, they'll they'll let you walk out of there for nothing. But, you know, 72 months, 0% interest, all of that. So... Uh, the car prices are getting more and more expensive. And uh, like we talked about yesterday, I think the average debt on the car loans is like $29,000 per family as an average. And so it's it's even rare to see a family with just one car. You know, usually it's multiple and they're typically, you know, pretty decent vehicles. That is a really uh, a difficult, uh, really a life-changing part of some people's budgets is a car payment. I, I was put in a difficult situation a few years ago and had to get one, uh, unfortunately, and it, it does make a difference in the budget, that's for sure. And it, it's it's one of those things where you just want to pay it off as fast as possible. Uh, but the thing is, in the moment, it can be pretty difficult, especially when they're trying to entice you like this uh, to avoid getting a car payment. I, I didn't do it out of them tempting me. It was more of out of necessity in my on my part. But uh, a lot of people probably get lured into the trap and then realize, oh, maybe we couldn't afford this, and now we're just sinking deeper into debt. Yeah, those those payments extend out a long, long time, and uh, and then of course if you have some sort of a problem come up, a job loss or some other emergency, you've got that big. Uh, a lot of times, a big payment sitting there. So uh, that's uh, an interesting thing to look at. There's all. It's always there's so many car uh, commercials on TV. Um, I think it's what keeps the TV stations on the air. <laughs> it's having all the car commercials, and uh, it's just funny how I, I remember being a kid and them selling, you know, brand new cars for ten thousand dollars. Or sometimes even less, you know, brand new. And now they talk about, uh, we'll come in and buy this truck, and the incentives that will give you equals eleven thousand dollars, you know, of value. Uh, so if they're willing to do that, if that's honest, I don't know, you know, how much of this vehicle costing? Because if they're willing to throw eleven thousand dollars of incentives your way, uh, you know, those trucks are going to be forty, fifty thousand bucks, maybe. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, they do have to get pretty creative now. I mean, especially because. Most people do know that the vehicle depreciates by about half by the time you drive it off the lot. Uh, people people are probably thinking maybe we should go toward a used vehicle since it's going to depreciate so fast anyway. You have to be creative if you're uh, in charge of a car lot to, to sell these new vehicles. Yeah, the, what I've read, I think it's pretty solid economic advice for 
for people, you know, long term if you can do it is they say people that do pretty well uh, financially are pretty smart with their money. Uh, they'll pay in cash if they can. Of course, it's not always easy. And they'll typically uh, buy a pretty nice car that's a f- couple of years old. And and it's already, well, it's depreciated, probably it's most. And then they'll go in and buy that with cash. So not everybody's in that situation to do that, but that's it's an ideal to maybe to maybe aspire to. And, you know, what a great feeling that would be to go in and buy a nice car that's dependable and walk out of there with no payments. That'd be awesome. Exactly. That's what Dave Ramsey advises too. Like, if possible, if if it's anywhere within the realm of possibility, get a new car when you already have all the money for it, and then you can just buy it up front. Like you said, avoid the payments. Uh, know that you actually saved up and took your time and made sure it was a wise purchase instead of diving into something that then turns out to be pretty unaffordable. Yeah. You don't want to get underwater, as they say. Are you underwater in your car payment? Well, just buy a new one. <laughs> I'll solve it. We'll buy your old one, and we'll sell you a new one. And that actually sounds really convincing, even though it makes no sense at all. It's Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's um, kicking the can down the road is what it is. Right. In personal finance story, you're like, well, this seems like a good thing, but uh, you still owe the owe the money on it. So, uh, Anyway, interesting article there at thetrumpet.com. Subprime loans making a comeback. Also, really great uh, write-up. Check out the from the editor, uh, Gerald Flurry. Deep division over Israel was a trumpet brief sent out yesterday. If you don't have the trumpet brief, sign up for those. They're free. They come to your email inbox. and Or you can get it there at uh, the trumpet. The hostility against the Bible and the hostility toward the Jews and their presence in Jerusalem are closely related, and they come from fundamentally the same source. So you're going to hear a lot in the news about Jerusalem and Israel. I guess you always do. And uh, but it's getting even more heated because of the the recent announcement that the embassy, U.S. embassy, would move there to Jerusalem. So uh, make sure you look at that uh, uh, editorial there from uh, Trumpet editor in chief Gerald Flurry. Deep division over Israel gets back to the point of where all that hostility comes from because uh, it could be kind of confusing to look at and say, well, why does so many people upset about this? But when you get back to where it's, the hostility is coming from, then it really uh, opens up your understanding. This is really a hot-button issue on the world stage. And you hear so many things that peop- that critics of Israel say, like it's a somehow it's a genocidal apartheid state, which, I mean, it's so far from truth, you have to wonder where that idea even came from. And like Mr. Flurry talks about, it has to come from some source that is uh, beyond... Uh, physical logic it, it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't match up with any of the facts on the ground it's just whatever f- people feel like believing they're going to believe even if it's extremely far from the truth right is is anyone laying awake at night terrified that the jews are coming to <laughs> take over their town <laughs> is that it's just a ridiculous notion isn't it i mean it's it's so ch- so obvious that the jews are not hunting any people down they're not engaging in ethnic cleansing they're they're not oppressing the palestinians in any way uh, and they've been too nice to even allow any of them to be within their borders in the first place i mean if people would actually look into the truth of the issue read in the bible how god gave the promised land to israel i mean all the names all the locations the geographical spots are mentioned in in the old testament and then you see archaeology backing that up as well. They have a very clear and obvious claim to that land, and it's just incredibly unjust that the other Arab nations around them are using the Palestinians as a ploy to eventually get rid of the entire Israeli state. Yeah, it's uh, 
very controversial over there and always a, a hot topic. And uh, no matter where you look, whether it's in Germany or whether it's in in uh, the uh, Middle East there, uh, the Jewish people just don't have a lot of friends. Thankfully, the U.S. is sort of coming to their aid to some extent, but we'll we'll see how that progresses too. Uh, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today, check that out with your host, Stephen Fleury. Uh, talked uh, a fair bit about how the mainstream media, left-leaning media, but that's most all of them, uh, they're just having a meltdown, an absolute <laughs> meltdown about the President Trump's uh, tax plan. Uh, for example, House Speaker Paul Ryan appeared on NBC's Today Show on Wednesday to discuss the Republican tax bill and the impact it will have on workers, leading host Savannah Guthrie to ask him if he was living in a fantasy world. <laughs> Because you know, if you if you want the real the real take on the street, you you go to the the network uh, the network bigwigs. They, <laughs> they 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 got their finger on the pulse. Guthrie expressed skepticism that the bill would lead to higher pay for workers, and to buttress her point, she quoted former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. He said, "CEOs aren't willing, or sorry, aren't waiting on a tax cut to jumpstart the economy." A favorite phrase of politicians who have never run a company or hand out raises. It's pure fantasy to think that the tax bill will lead to significantly higher wages and growth. And then Guthrie uh, asked Ryan, I'll ask you plainly, are you living in a fantasy world? <laughs> now, never mind the fact that President Trump has run many businesses. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I don't know how many uh, Savannah Guthrie's run. Um, she but, has no practical <laughs> experience to draw on, that's for sure. And then uh, AT&T immediately is giving out $1,000 bonuses to employees. 200000 of them, I believe. Yeah. 200,000 employees getting a $1,000 bonus each. That's a lot of money, and they specifically made a statement that it's because of the new tax bill. CNN.com reported that Wells Fargo and Fifth Third Bank Corp. said they plan to hike their company-wide minimum wages to $15 an hour. Other firms, including Comcast and AT&T, promised $1,000 bonuses. Fox News uh, has a story about Senator John uh, Manchin, who's a Democrat on Wednesday struggled to explain his opposition to the Republican tax overhaul, conceding in a local radio interview that, in fact, it does contain some good things and it would probably benefit his state. <laughs> so the uh, the meltdown is is, uh, is on, but at the same time, not not saying that this tax bill is going to save America or something like that, but but it does have some common sense, practical things that will actually help people. And to hear, and he, and on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today, he plays a sequence of clips of, of you know, politicians and and uh, media. Just you know, you would think, you would think that you know they're coming to take your possessions and you know throw you in the street. When the reality is that a lot of employees are getting bonuses and wage increases immediately. <laughs> I mean, you talk about who's telling the truth and who's lying here. I mean, it, it's. They they almost can't help but eventually say, like, yeah, actually, these things will probably help somewhat. The results speak for themselves. I mean, that should end the discussion right there. But the Democrats and the left-wing media are just lying repeatedly about this bill. And you can see the effects of that in, the, in just the fact that uh, more than half the country seems unfavorable toward it, even though nearly all of those people who are even unfavorable toward it are going to receive tax cuts. They're immediately going to start getting more money in their bank accounts from each of their paychecks because of this this tax plan. Uh, it's just, I mean, there's so much fake news about it that uh, I guess people just don't even know what the facts are anymore. Well, and it's always interesting to me, too, where, the, of course, the thing they always say will be, oh, you know, it's a tax cut for the rich. You're hurting the little man. If you're working for somebody, which most people are, and your boss all of a sudden has more money, 
I'm okay with that. Because there's a chance that it's coming down the hill exactly. <laughs> that I might get a little more. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're trying to make it. I don't know if you remember the cartoon from years ago, DuckTales. Mm-hmm. Scrooge McDuck, he had the big <laughs> the big gold thing at the top of the hill. That's that's to me like the, the character they're making of some of the business owners. Like, they're just in there diving through gold and laughing. And, you know, they'll probably help their employees out. That's what good business owners do. It is important to consider the vantage point of the left on issues like this. They believe that it is the duty of every citizen to give up a large portion of their income to the government because the government has to control every aspect of a citizen's lives. So if they think there's a problem with a tax bill, really what it means is the government's not getting as much money as they wish that they could from every American. And Bernie Sanders, he's a socialist. He's an open socialist, probably a communist, and he hates the tax bill. That should tell you all you need to know about how good it actually is. Even if the, with, say, the healthcare stuff that came out, and you really look at what it's done to a lot of people, they, they make it out like, well, everyone's going to lose their coverage and so forth. And But it really took a lot of people that, that are middle class, lower middle class, and it puts you in a really precarious situation where you have to pay for a lot of insurance that you can't afford. And what it does, it, it has the potential to push people down into the, you know, I guess the lower class level. And then what are you relying upon? The government. Mm-hmm. Just pushing everybody down into that pit to where you you have to rely on them and then they can, I guess they can control more of your life. Uh, again, take a look at the socialist nations that people are running from with <laughs> their shirts on their backs if they have one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and tell me again why that's a good plan, why that's a good idea to become socialist or whatever they want to call it these days exactly and it does seem like the left is trying to prosper on the greed and the jealousy that other that regular people might have toward the rich uh all of us would love to be rich i'm sure but why is it that we have to actively hurt rich people how does that actually help anybody else i mean so much of their argument is based on just spite toward the rich many of Many of these people who are making that argument too are rich. I mean, they're going to they're going to be hurt by uh, opposing a tax cut like this as well. So it, it is a, a bit baffling why they would um, make make arguments like that and why so many people would fall for it. When if you are trying to live the American dream and you're trying to make a success of your life, you would love to have the opportunity to at least become a millionaire or a billionaire if if that was your pursuit you you don't want the government to then take 80 or 90 percent of it in taxes that just kills all your ambition to even be a success well businesses will just go somewhere else they'll just do their business somewhere else they're not going to stay and pay that type of you know uh, a higher tax but i think it's interesting to just the uh, even the reporting um like with this example here of uh, uh paul ryan being asked are you living in a fantasy world? That's not a question that 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 has anything to do with the actual topic. It's an accusation that, that how do you do, no, I'm not living in a fantasy world. I've seen this happen many times. I, I was watching uh, one of the network news shows the other night and I've seen this over, you know, months. The president will be there, he'll be giving some sort of a, a press conference. And it's over and he's kind of walking out and then the reporter from that network will yell some sort of an, you know, just inflammatory question at him. And that's their report. You know, they'll yell something like, are you living in a fantasy world? How about asking something like, uh, you know, finding one particular thing and saying, okay, how, how is this going to help people in the middle class? Can you give me some specifics? 
Like that's a re- that's a legitimate journalist journalistic uh, question that uh, then he could answer or. If he didn't have an answer, I think it would be pretty clear. But to ask somebody, are you living in a fantasy world? That's, I, how is that journalism? That, that's, just like an, that's just an inflammatory accusation couched as a question. And, and that, you know, I think we're seeing that in a lot of these networks. And no wonder it turns people off. Did you hear how Paul Ryan responded to that? No. Uh, yeah, I, I have to wonder that as well because, I mean, that's such a, a rude, just just a really disrespectful question to ask. I mean, he should be asking her, are you a left-wing hack? Because that's clearly what she has exposed herself as. Well, you have one guy who's a politician, which doesn't necessarily mean good things, but nevertheless, they're actually involved in like the, the machinery of how things are happening. And then the other, on the other hand, you have a journalist who I'm, you know, probably doesn't know too much about the topic anyway. <laughs> so for one to ask the other, you know, are you living in a fantasy world? That I don't know. That, that'd be like, uh, you know, an, an average citizen asking, uh, you know, a, an astronaut um, something about the space program, being like, what, are you living in a fantasy world? <laughs> well, how would you even know what to ask them? They're clearly doing something that you're not really aware of how it works. <laughs> no, I'm just living in outer space. Yeah. Thank you very I'm much. I'm in outer space. I'm going to go to the moon. Are you living in a fantasy world? <laughs> no, we can actually do that. We can go to the moon. So, <laughs> Anyway, some pretty bad reporting there, and it's really highlighted there on the Trumpet Daily Radio show. And uh, really make sure you listen to that today. Great program. Also, he talks about uh, the benefits of getting essential sleep. Uh, that's a, a major issue today, sleep, lack of sleep, and a lot of health problems. Uh, some some of the, or most of the health problems people run into later in life get back to lack of sleep. And then, of course, diet and exercise, too. But not getting enough sleep is uh, a huge problem for the body. Probably, if you had to pinpoint one of the most, maybe the most important uh, health factors, it would have to be the amount of sleep you get. We all know how it feels when we tossed and turned all night, couldn't get the the uh, required or recommended amount of sleep that that makes more of a difference than not drinking enough water not exercising enough not eating right i i always feel the worst from simply just not sleeping as much as i should yeah and those things all kind of tie together too you know if like yeah. say the diet gets way off then it affects the sleep like it's all you know it's all contingent but uh, anyway some really good information there today is the 21st of december this is usually the shortest day of the year and sometimes regarded as the first day of winter. So uh, that's uh, not, doesn't feel like winter here today. It's actually potentially going to be a record high, I believe, up in the mid-60s. So, uh, yeah, very warm here, and so it doesn't feel that way at all. But uh, for those of you that are cold and in the snow, enjoy. Uh, on this day in 1891, uh, the first game of basketball, based on the rules created by James Naismith, was played by 18 students in Springfield, Massachusetts, they didn't know that all these years later, LeBron James would be making $30,963,450 playing basketball this year. <laughs> He's the highest played player in the NBA, followed by L. Horford, DeMar DeRozan, and James Harden, coming in with a paltry $26,540,100. And that is more than a quarter million per game played. So just think about that. Mm-hmm. I was at a game recently. I told you this was a Thunder game, and one of the players... Uh, was maybe loafing it as a fan felt and the fan screamed at him earn your money (laughs) and the player actually looked up at him and they got into a little bit of a staring contest (laughs) but if you're making that much cash i guess you might as well play hard yeah that's always been a confusing thing to a lot of fans why certain players or certain teams just seem like they don't even care about showing up on a particular night and probably all the rest of us are thinking 
wow, if we had that opportunity, we would just run our tails off just just to make that kind of money. Yeah, I always think, hey, look, if there's a player that's not being particularly um, productive in a game, can I sub in? Because I can do just as poorly, <laughs> right? And uh, t- I'll just take the salary for that one game. You know, can I or a part of the game? You know, and when I come back, I'd like them to hand me a briefcase with cash, and I'll just walk out the door. <laughs> you know, if the other guy didn't score any points, I'm not going to. So right. what's the difference? <laughs> Gotta hide me on defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the, that amount of money. It's like it would take the average person five six years to make that i mean almost for for most of us and so uh to it's kind of kind of insulting to see them not try as hard as they should at all times i mean it doesn't matter if you're playing a really bad team or there's no one in the stands i mean you're still getting paid a lot of money to play that's not i'm not saying they should make less i have nothing against people who get rich doing whatever they're doing but at least try to earn it And that's not even, these numbers don't even show like their endorsement deals, which is where they're going to make the majority of their money if they're a really famous player. You know, LeBron James, he's got a bunch of endorsement deals. And so, but even from playing basketball, yeah, about 30 million there. Uh, Pretty amazing. Uh, We're talking this week about Solve Your Money Troubles. It's a free write up, free booklet at thetrumpet.com. And, uh, well, it's tax time, getting close to tax time, and of course, tax cut time. And uh, everyone's talking about the economy. That's always big news. And uh, the first chapter in this book, Solve Your Money Troubles, talks about uh, how to keep your job. Very important. Uh, unemployment's a little bit lower, I guess, depending on the numbers you look at. That's a good sign, but uh, doesn't mean that uh, these uh, principles aren't important. They're always important to get a good job and keep your job. I uh, have a list here of the top ten reasons people get fired. <laughs> there are reasons that people do get fired. I thought it was all just injustice and greed on the boss's part. No, well, sometimes <laughs> it's more than that. Of course, now, I mean, sometimes there's just layoffs because a company closes down or something. But this is talking about reasons to get fired. Uh, damaging company property. That's uh, probably going to get you uh, fired. Uh, drug and alcohol possession at work. Being intoxicated or taking drugs in the workplace will interfere with your on-the-job performance. And it's probably illegal as well. Those t- first two points are probably connected in many cases, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, another reason people get fired is falsifying company records. It's unethical, and it could result in long-term legal or performance problems for the company. Don't falsify the records. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people probably don't even touch company records, so that's fine. <laughs> but those who do, don't falsify them. Uh, people get fired for insubordination. <laughs> they say you don't have to say yes to all requests or always agree with your manager. However, a refusal to, to obey orders, obstructionist behavior, or contentious communications can lead to a loss of your job. If you disagree with your manager's requests or policies, they say you should express it politely or get in touch with the company's human resources department for help with mediation. Uh, insubordination gets you fired, which is so funny because... Don't they teach kids now that in families you're supposed to be insubordinate? Like it doesn't matter? Right. Talk back, do what you want. What about when you get hired and then your boss is there, and you, but you never learned how to uh, say yes and do your job correctly at home as a kid? It's a good, something to think about. Those things definitely relate. You can't expect petulant children to grow up to be well-behaved adults. It doesn't, it doesn't correlate. It's not going to be a realistic outcome there. And it does seem like there's been, been a trend of, uh, people who know they're going to quit a job anyway, going out guns blazing, yeah. saying everything they ever wanted to say to their boss uh, before they leave. Uh, so that, I mean, that is a, a trend toward disrespect, toward authority. I mean, no matter how a boss 
treats you, there's no justification for acting that way on your last day of work. Sure. Well, and that follows you, that history, too. Yeah. You know, next time you want your job, another job, people will say, well, let me see what your last boss said. <laughs> another reason people get fired is misconduct. There's lots of things that could happen. Stealing fraud, industrial espionage. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Get fired for industrial espionage. Sounds like Russian collusion. It does, yeah. <laughs> Poor performance. Yeah, if you just can't do your job right, then uh, eventually that's a problem. Stealing. People get caught stealing, and it's illegal, of course. And It's a fireable offense that includes both petty thefts, such as a box of pens or a ream of paper, as well as stealing money or larger items. Uh, using company property for personal business, that can get you fired. Taking too much time off, that can get you fired. I worked with a guy one time that never took time off, refused to take time off, and you had to. You know, it was like company policy. You got to take a week a year. Uh, and if you didn't, then they would have to pay you for it. He never took he never took any time off, and he worked at the place for, I don't know, it was like 20 years or something. And so finally they said, look, we're not going to pay you for this because it's too much because <laughs> he had, I think, three months of vacation stored up. <laughs> and uh, so they said, you have to take it. They demanded he took it. and he So he would take a week off and come back for a day and then take another week off and come back for a day. <laughs> so it was a really strange situation, but he had to take his time. So he had to t- he had to had make to. up all the time that he hadn't taken over the years he, too? He, yeah, yeah, well, he just had to take the time off, yeah, because all of wow. it added up, and either they had to pay him out legally and sit because oh. you got to get paid for the vacation, or he had to take it, take the time off. Right. And he was one of those guys who just didn't want to take time off. And he was always a little, he was getting older, and I think he was a little nervous about maybe losing his job. Mm. <laughs> but he had to. Uh, so I felt bad for him because I think he was bored. But uh, <laughs> yeah, can't take too much time off, but sometimes you do need to take some time off. Depends on the company policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, violating company policy of some kind. Those are the main reasons people get fired. Uh, on the other hand, what do employers look for, according to uh, LiveCareer.com? Uh, professionalism. They want you to deal in a professional manner. Honesty and integrity. Adaptability. Problem solving. Dependability. Reliability. Responsibility. Loyalty. Positive attitude. Motivation. Energy and passion. Self-confidence. Self-motivated ability to work without supervision. Willingness to learn. Leadership and management skills, multicultural sensitivity and awareness. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's not. get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you don't want to be rude to people, but that, that seems like the one they had to throw in. Uh, planning and organization and teamwork. Those are the things that people look for in uh, the ability to do a job. So there are reasons people get fired and there are reasons people keep their jobs. Those are some of them, and we're going to take a look at a few more bigger principles here on how to keep your job. It's the first chapter in how to solve your money uh, problems. And uh, so um, I I was trying to think back of my career history. I think I've had a pretty good track record. <laughs> trying to be credible, but I think I've had, a, I've had a pretty good track record over the years. So uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of my past employers and my past jobs. But I, for the most part, it's gone pretty good. And and what those things that they listed there, they're all true. If you if you work hard, you do your best, and you try to get along with people, those I think are the biggest uh, things that help. And you've mentioned before how in a lot of places, sadly, the standard of employers or employ, employees has dropped quite a lot. So simply by doing some of these common sense things, uh, you really stand out. It's not even like you have to be some superhero. You can just show up and be dependable, and all of a sudden you're better than almost every other employee. Showing up is a is a big deal. It's amazing how important that is. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty obvious point, but a lot of times people don't. And uh, I, I know uh, another uh, station I used to work at years ago, uh, we couldn't leave 
until the next person came on to uh, take our spot. And if you were working a longer shift, especially if it was later at night, you were looking to get out, you know, when you were supposed to be going. And uh, without fail, depending on who was on the schedule after you, you kind of knew, like, uh, this will be 20 minutes, an additional, because they just don't show up. And then, you know, oh, sorry about that. But obviously uh, didn't have a lot of success there. So that's, that's a frustration when other people especially are relying on you and you can't be trustworthy. Yeah, I've been to a lot of places, like especially restaurants, where it seems like there's only one waitress in the entire restaurant or uh, only only one cook in the back. And you know that that person must be really frustrated by his or her fellow uh, employees there because cause you just burden all of the people you're supposed to be on a team with you're not helping anybody you're not you're not contributing to the success of your employer so it, it is a, a source of frustration for a lot of people I, it's amazing how many times i've personally experienced people hung out to dry by unreliable workmates you went back there started cooking with them yeah uh, flip these burgers yeah with you. you almost feel like you should just hop over the counter and help out because i mean what what are, what are these other people doing? Why are they not showing up when they're on the schedule to do so? You know, it's funny. I've actually occasionally not not done that exactly, but you go to a grocery store or something, and I don't know if they're short on staff or it's just they just don't staff it. But you know, they're checking out the groceries, and then they're trying to check you out and bag them, and they're just kind of fumbling around. And uh, uh, sometimes I'll just jump in there and be like, "Yeah, I'll, just, I'll put them in the bag." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to need part of your paycheck, but I mean, I'll put them, <laughs> right. in, put them in the bag for you. I'll do this for free. Sure, I'm not going to do this for free. <laughs> uh, one of the things about to, to keep in mind is that uh, God wants people to be happy and to prosper. That's a good basic point to consider. Sometimes people uh, equate Christianity with poverty, some sort of you know uh, meager existence, and that's not that's not what God desires. Doesn't mean everyone will be the richest person in the world, but he does want us to prosper. Jesus himself said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly in John 10, 10. And then in Third uh, John 2, the apostle John said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. It is God's desire that we have happy, healthy, and abundant lives. And that's a great point to think about because it isn't, you don't have to wonder like, well, does God want me to be successful in life? He wants everybody to be successful. Exactly. I mean, as much money as we could get without without being unethical and stepping on other people and alienating others, uh, God has no problem with that, especially if uh, we put him first in our finances, tithes, offerings, uh, showing him that we are grateful to him for even receiving that money in the first place. Uh, he's very happy with that. I mean, the examples are in the booklet of Abraham and Job being uh, some of the most righteous men to have ever lived, and yet they were extremely wealthy. You can be rich and at the same time uh, extremely righteous, but of course sometimes wealth gets in the way of being righteous. That's the thing to avoid. There is a new trend that's out there too. It's kinda, it kind of takes this idea but then goes maybe the wrong way with it, and that is the prosperity gospel. You'll see different uh, televangelists talking about if you uh, if you send me your money, you know you'll get uh, all these blessings and that type of thing. And it, I mean, there is a tithing principle, as you said. Now you, you should know where to send that. But uh, in order to have the kind of life that we'd all like, abundant, prosperous, it does include keeping God's laws. And that's I think where uh, the prosperity gospel falls short. They don't. There's not a lot of talk about the laws of God. And one of them, the first point here about uh, being successful, keeping your job, is to work hard. 
and the example that you have to look at is the Sabbath example, mm-hmm. because that commandment about um, keeping the Sabbath, you can find that in Exodus 20, uh, six days shall you labor and do all your work. That's part of the commandment. Work hard on six days, but also talks about taking off the seventh day. And so when you look at God's command there about keeping the Sabbath, it's to keep the Sabbath and then to work hard the rest of the time. So you don't hear a lot about keeping of the Sabbath, but keeping the Sabbath correctly then leads into working hard the rest of the week and and gives you a, a lot of success in your career. Right, and the Sabbath is a uniquely refreshing day. I mean, it, it, it provides so much rejuvenation that I've never even experienced from just regular days off or a Sunday that I that I get off of work uh, every week. It, the Sabbath actually is far more refreshing than that, and I wonder how much that could help people's health today. If pe- everyone kept the Sabbath and they were their minds were completely free of all their other weekly worries and distractions and concerns, I, th- I think a lot of people would probably do a lot better health-wise even. Oh, absolutely. It was even sort of pointed out on the Trumpet Daily with, with today we're talking about the benefits of sleep, where you know if people work hard and they're productive throughout the day, then they usually have a pretty good rest at night. And so you know if people are struggling with sleep, sometimes maybe maybe the answer is not working hard enough during the day also that ties in with this where okay well uh if you're having a difficulty keeping a job some cases it might be because you're not working hard those other six days and keeping the sabbath but that's part of that sabbath command work hard six days and uh it doesn't mean every day has to be at your job you know some jobs give you Mm -hmm. off the weekend or something but still in being productive and working uh, that's a, a key to keeping a job, being a hard worker. And the Bible is clear also on how to work. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. King Solomon wrote that. Very wise individual. And also said that slothful and sluggards uh, weren't going to be very successful. They needed to go look at the example of the ant and the way the ant works. And, of course, we've all seen anthills. They're busy. You never see one just sitting over in the corner relaxing. <laughs> They're always moving about uh, on their lines, carrying things. And they put a lot of us to shame because they don't have to be told to do that. That's just their instinct. They work hard without a boss looking over their shoulder at all times. Uh, definitely, definitely, uh, God puts a lot of n- lessons in nature that we can learn from, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, Those are uh, always, I mean, I, anybody that's read that scripture probably thinks about that when they see ants moving about. And then think, I hope they don't bite me. Those are probably the two things. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, professing Christians who will not work are worse than unbelievers. That's in 1 Timothy 5. And I mean, there's obviously cases where somebody couldn't because of, you know, a a handicap or something. But for the most part, uh, if you're able-bodied, the command is to work. A Christian ought to be diligent, hard worker at whatever type of work it's available to do. And hard work is evidence of a true Christian. And so if you want to have a job and keep a job, you have to work hard at it. Right. And this booklet brings out how Henry Ford said that uh, a lazy person should have the freedom to starve. That, that's in Second Thessalonians 3, verse 10 as well. If you don't work, you don't eat. What would happen to our society if we all applied that? If we didn't have the government handing out money to those who make no contribution, we probably wouldn't have nearly the national debt that we do. Uh, you wouldn't have people voting uh, based on hatred of the rich i mean that's that's why the the left uh has thrived in some cases just just by stirring up enmity toward the rich and 
and it's just such an obvious point that if you make no contribution, why should you expect to uh, get anything back? The left has cleverly framed it as, well, look, uh, the Republicans are taking health care away from 20 million Americans. They are actually stomping on the poor with this tax plan. And really what all that's taking place is that they're not letting the government take away as much money from each person to serve those who aren't doing as much. There are, I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, just by the numbers that aren't in the workforce. And you think about all the different projects that really need to be done in the country, infrastructure, roads. Uh, it's hard work. You'd need some training. You'd need to, uh, you know, have somebody direct you in how to do it. But if if people were willing to work and, and you know, uh, willing to, you know, not think that they they deserve this massive paycheck right off the bat, <laughs> get to work and then, you know, improve and see how you do. Uh, and those people were mobilized and put to work. How much good could you do, do you think, in the country with road repair, with uh, infrastructure, with all these things that we do see sort of falling apart and dilapidating a little bit? Uh, e- even even just the cities themselves, a lot of inner cities, you look at them, uh, they're run down. Uh, they look terrible and people are sick of living there. Well, what if they beautified it? Mm-hmm. You know, now that would take working hard and leadership and all of that. But still, just that principle of working hard, having a mind to work. What could you do in this country? You could do a lot. We could definitely do away with uh, the sense of entitlement that so many people have and then get those people to work because they're going to be happy that way. They're going to feel fulfilled by contributing to a worthwhile cause. Uh, it, it does seem like a lot of the people who complain the most are the ones who feel like they deserve things that they're not willing to work for. It, that's just a, a poisonous mentality that uh, a lot of leaders in this country have purposely developed in our people. Uh, we have to be working hard or else happiness happiness doesn't result. If you just have the whole day and every single day is free, nothing is accomplished, people like that are not happy. If they're being honest with you, they would tell you they're not happy living that type of lifestyle. And then there's a lot of crime, too, because, you know, idle hands and yeah. end up causing problems sometimes. Besides working hard, another important point to having and keeping a job is becoming more valuable at that job. And some people are offered jobs just because of their reputation as hard workers, but most are sought because they are also skilled in their field. And uh, sometimes that could be intimidating, I suppose. Somebody thinks, well, I'm not skilled. But you got to start somewhere and then develop a skill and build the skill. And uh, becoming highly skilled, of course, uh, requires hard work, but the rewards are pretty obvious there. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says, If you see a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So that you want to be in that position. You'd rather be standing before the king. And this king doesn't call you up for no reason. It's Mm. because you're skilled at something or you're in a position to be of a help. And uh, so for young people in particular, that's a great point. But for anybody, anybody can become more valuable, more skilled. But particularly in those foundational years, maybe maybe uh, not as much time on Twitter and maybe more time hitting the books for a future career. Very true. Uh, the, the younger you are when you finally get a career ambition in mind, the better, because then you can spend time before you're actually in the workforce preparing yourself uh you developing the skills that you need in that particular field but even for us who already are established in in different jobs uh it's always good to try to hone our skills that we're using every day already uh becoming an expert in uh reading reading writing communicating uh in this case uh, then you do better on the radio for example yeah finally 
Do your part. <laughs> it's a great point. I was just moving on. Do your part, and uh, God will do his. That's the third point. After working hard, becoming more valuable, and then just doing your part, God will do his. To give the example of Joseph, we don't have time to go through it, but he obviously, if you read that history, uh, he found himself in jail. He found himself accused of all kinds of things, but he uh, did his part. He trusted God, and God blessed him, or he was he was uh, very powerful there uh, later in life, uh, second in power, actually. Uh, in Egypt. So uh, a lot to uh, look at there. And the point being that when you obey God, nothing can impede ultimate success. Uh, even economic cataclysm or something that seems like, how how am I going to deal with this? If somebody is obeying God, he'll, he promises to deliver people and help them in yeah. lots of different ways. Yeah. So obey God, work hard, develop skills. You'll be a really valuable worker. Yep. Some great ways to uh, have a job and to keep one. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you get this uh, booklet on uh, how to solve your uh, money troubles and problems. You can find that at thetrumpet.com. Make sure this is for the Key David Program and Trumpet Daily Radio Show coming up. Thanks for joining us today. Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.